Welcome to Unapologetic Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Marcus Beelan. I am a principal, a father of three, a husband, and I am driven by my passion of educating young people. The goal of this podcast is to expose the listeners to practical concepts and ideas through the lens of practitioners who are doing the work every single day for kids. You see, we as educators make decisions for our kids and our staff. And if we make decisions that we believe are in the best interest of our kids and our staff, we should be proud, we should walk tall and be unapologetic in our leadership. Topics such as diversity, equity and inclusion, school culture, student voice and leadership experiences are among some of the content you will hear. This is just honest and truthful conversation. These messages are meant to be impactful for those who need it as well as those who are put into positions that impact the lives of young people. It's time to strengthen the pipeline for educators. It's time to dismantle systemic issues and bolster school culture where our youth are seen and heard in the learning environment of their schools. So let's begin to explore and journey through unapologetic leadership. What's up, listeners? It's Dr. Beelan. Hey, I am back. I know it's been a while. Um, and the holiday season was, we're kind of in the midst of it and, uh, just had a crazy first semester and any school leader out there knows what, uh, the first semester of school was like. We thought kids have absolutely lost their minds, uh, coming back into, uh, the world of education to sit in seats within a classroom and learn in a, in a structured space, man. And, um, there was just a lot of challenges that we faced. The pandemic is still looming. I mean, not much has changed in that round, we, uh, but we're getting ready to enter 2022 and, uh, and, and to look at education somewhat differently than what we do. We always want to be progressive in thought, but um, today I have a great friend of mine, uh, a colleague, a mentor, uh, someone who I can definitely pick up the phone and call. Uh, and before I introduce who he is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him really give his bio, but uh, it was back in 2018 at the National Principals Conference that NASSP put on in Chicago, and I had just accepted my position uh, in March of 2018 as principal of Huntley High School, uh, and this was my first professional development opportunity, right? I, I've said this many times, like no one gives you a folder to say this is how you be a principal, uh, but I ran into uh, this guy <laughs> at the National Principals Conference. I sat in on his session, and I actually spent more time with him during the conference than actually going to sessions, and it was the best time well spent because he was the folder that helped me through my first, you know, 100 days of school, right, of, of just thinking of who to be as a leader, who I wanted to be as a leader of a school of 3,000, uh, and a leader of a staff of 317 adults. So uh, this man goes by the name of Dwight Carter, uh, such a, a great friend. Dwight, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Dr. Beeland, Marcus, man, I appreciate it. Uh, that's funny, you mentioned that conference. That's, that's what I think about all the time when I think about you. Um, so, but I'll, before we get into that, because that was that was a, a, a special moment for me as well. And I'll explain why as we just engage in our conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Dwight Carter. I am currently a director of student support systems um, at Eastland Fairfield Career Technical Schools. Um, if you've never heard of that position, 
most people haven't. So it's a brand new position that was created this year. Um, always say, you know, in, in scripture, say your room, your gift will make room for you. And so my gifts and talents, talents and experiences and uh, created an opportunity for me to have this, this position. I'm very thankful for that. But prior to that, I have uh, 18, was it 18, 19 years of experience as a school leader, um, eight years in a classroom. This is my third district over a 27 year career. Um, had opportunity because I work with some great people. I've um, earned some, some reward, awards and national recognition, which I'm really proud of, but it also goes back to just the people that I work with, um, the staff and the students that I've been, in, been able to influence and lead and to serve as a school leader. That's awesome, man. And, and this is um, your, your resume uh, and what you've been able to accomplish uh, has definitely been a beacon for me um, just to say like, man, I want to connect with people who are doing good work um, that have had some lived experiences that can help me, right? Like we always talk about learning from people's mistakes and their successes. And um, there's some key things that you've been able to give me. And, and like I said, just keys to administration that, uh, that have helped me, man. And I think we all need that. So, you know, as we go throughout this, I want all of our listeners, those who are um, considering coming into education, those who are in education, looking to move to the administrative world, uh, or those who are currently in it, right? Like all of this is, is for you. Um, and, and this is unfiltered, as I've always told you, this is just is unapologetic in how we do things uh, on this show, man. So um, Dwight, I, I definitely want to open up the floor first to just um, talk a little bit about some of the work that you've done. You know, we prior to us getting on uh, and, and hitting the record button, we talked about disruption and disruption of just the environment and education. And education has been completely disrupted in so many ways. Those in disruption that's in control and that's not in control. So, talk a little bit about that work. Yeah. So, I had to, again, it goes back to relationships that I've had and um, influential leaders that have been a part of my life and those who believed in me and poured in me. And one of those leaders that I constantly refer to, and I'm very, um, very thankful for his mentorship and friendship is Mark White. Uh, Mark White hired me as an assistant principal, <clears throat> excuse me, back in 2001 at Gehanna Lincoln High School, which is a suburb of, of, of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, prior to that, I was a teacher in the, I was a high school teacher in that same building. And so Mark came along and he knew I was working on my, my master's to get a master's in administration um, because the previous principal, Sherry Dunlap, and the superintendent, Greg Morris, told them about me. And, and I guess they just they saw something in me that I didn't necessarily, didn't necessarily see in myself. And so uh, being a, you know up and coming leader or someone who's established leaders constantly look for, look for people who exhibit leadership because um, one of the things Marcus and I talked about off screen and off mic was that, you know, people are not necessarily jumping at opportunities to be school leaders these days, yeah. or even district leaders. So the reality is we have to be on the lookout for those who are currently in the profession. And in addition, we have to be on the lookout for up and coming teachers who um, exhibit leadership qualities and characteristics and pour into them, as opposed to waiting for people to make that choice. Because sometimes people don't necessarily know that they can do it. Um, until they have somebody who, who's, you know, acknowledges that, hey, have you ever thought about this? Here's why. Here's why I think you'd be a great, great asset in this position. 
But anyway, so Mark was that guy for me. And uh, we worked together very closely as a principal and assistant principal. And then we progressed um, as leaders where he became the assistant superintendent, then superintendent where I became a, a middle school principal and then returned to Gahanna Lincoln High School as the principal. So we had opportunities to do some phenomenal things. One of the things we did was we built a, an a, um, annex to our high school, which was literally across the street. So we had, one of the challenges and disruptions we had to go through is that we, we Gahanna Lincoln is located at the busiest intersection in the city of Gahanna. Mm -hmm. There is a vacant Kroger building across the street. So we had to think about how do we create more space for our students because we were at capacity in every, every way, shape, and form. All of our classrooms were packed, hallways were congested. We were about, you know, not, I mean, it was a small comparison to Huntley. We had 24, almost 2,500 students, but we were at capacity and still growing. So we had to think differently. So Mark and Greg came with the idea of purchasing the Kroger building, tearing down an entire property, and we built a three-story multi-use modular uh, facility that was a beacon of innovation at that time. And that was in 2010. Not only did we build the building, but we also brought that in, bought that entire property and built additional buildings where there's retail space. So to, uh, even as today, the, comp uh, the companies that are in restaurants and whatnot that are renting those spaces, that money goes back to the district, which is completely innovative in terms of how to create revenue for the district. Um, so we, we tried to transform not only the way the building looked, but also the way um, teaching and learning was, um, happening, which was student choice, voice, technology integration, and blended learning, which is what we experienced during, we were forced to experience during the pandemic, but the District of Gehenna, that's something that was happening in some way, shape, or form. Again, there were pockets of it uh, over a decade ago. So because of our experiences, we wrote a book um, called uh, What's in Your Space? five steps to better school and classroom design. So we basically told our Clark Hall story, which is the building that we built. And then Mark really started to think about and look at the trends that were happening in our nation over, over time. And then looking at trends that were happening in education. And he said, neither like, let's, let's, what do you think about writing the second book called um, about disruptions? So I was like, great, let's, let's go for it. And Mark's such a phenomenal thinker and a forward thinker. So he's, Again, he started looking at these waves, not steps, but these waves of change and iteration that was happening. And um, underlying that was technology. The rate, of, the rate of speed of technology was just rapidly increasing. They called Moore's Law. So he looked at Moore's Law, looked at the rate of change that was happening in education and, looking at, and looked at how leaders are responding to that change. Because change happens so rapidly, we typically revert to the things and strategies that we already know. But because it happened so quickly, those strategies aren't relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. So we came up with this framework called CAT. And CAT is um, once you have a disruption, you cope with it, that's the C, you adjust your practices, which is A, and then you transform your philosophies. And all that happens over time. And so, you know, that was, you know, successful and that it provided a framework and answered questions to why are we dealing with so much rapid change? And those, we looked at seven disruptions, I'm not gonna list them all, but one of the disruptions we talked about was school safety. School safety was completely disrupted when Columbine happened in 1999.
fast forward to 2021, school shootings happening so frequently mm-hmm. that it doesn't necessarily make national news anymore, which is which is sad. Yeah, that's that's it's crazy. It's just yeah, crazy. it is crazy. Yeah. It, 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 it it's we have a generation of students who don't know school without a safety drill, a lockdown drill. Like that's where we are. So safety was one of those disruptions. Diversity is another disruption. And it's not just diversity in terms of, excuse me, race and ethnicity, but it's about diversity in terms of genderless bathrooms. You know, who anticipated that 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. And then in that, you know, that was just kind of like school leaders here. And now you got you to deal with this. But then diversity in thought, creativity, ideas. And, and something I learned recently, um, just reading another book, is you have the cognitive diversity and you also have the identity diversity. We often focus on the identity diversity and forget that where there's two or more people in the room, you have cognitive diversity. And how do we celebrate, acknowledge that, and then promote that? So that was one of the other disruptions. And the, one of the third disruption I want to talk about is technology, the increase in technology. So think about this. At some point, the overhead projector was like transformative for education. Right. That was like, boom. Oh, my God, this is going to transform. Then you have the smart board. This is going to transform education. Then you have the um, the graphic comp- uh, calculator. Oh, this is going to tra- every every bit of technology iteration is supposed to transform education. Now you're talking about virtual reality, um, artificial intelligence and um, students having access to the world and t- for 24, 24 hours, seven days a week that's very disruptive to how we want to teach and learn. And so pr- applying the CAT from framework can help us, help us, uh, I guess, adjust to that a little easier. It's not easy, it's just easier than it was before the framework. I think one of the things that you, you know, you mentioned uh, and, and that we all think about, right, when we go into the world of education is this, is this level of control, right? Yeah. You could yeah. do it in a, in, you could just show pictures of um, the next level of like, okay, it was like, it was a one, um, uh, the one room schoolhouse that yeah. had desks that were bolted into the floor and everybody right. was facing in the same direction. And it was a one size fits all model. And then you move, you know, down the road and now you got modular furniture and now you move down the road and now you got flexible seating and um, seating where kids got wobble chairs. You got this, so the physical space has changed, but um, I think the the biggest, and we kind of lost a little, I wouldn't say lost control. We've given up a little bit of control because we realized that the more flexible our space is, the more we can do within it. Right. Um, but there's still that control over what kids are able to do, right? We still create these lesson plans that are, have some level of parameter, Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not like, OK, today I want you all to just go and discover. Um, right. I <laughs> we were just talking before we even uh, started recording. We were talking about this uh, this metaverse that uh, that Facebook is is coming out with and mm-hmm. putting people into this environment where you can kind of create, you know, just like you called it, an alter ego, somebody else, you know, a, a, another person, you yourself or design someone to be in this space, to be able to engage with others, right? Like that could be five to 10 years from now, what schools could look like. That's another disruption of how do we get kids ready for that now, knowing that that's coming. Um, So 
when we talk about control, how do you how do you use this this cope adjust transform in situations in which you don't have control, such as the pandemic? Yeah, that I think this is a great example. So much so where, um, and I didn't give the title of our our second book we wrote, which was uh, "Leading Schools in Disruptive Times: How to Survive Hyperchange." <clears throat> um, so that's where we talked about the CAT framework. And then Cora and the publishers came back to us in I think 2020, early and asked, you know, can you guys write a second edition that includes the pandemic and how to respond to it? Hmm. So we had about three or four months to do that. And we focused on how, how do you respond to a pandemic? And ultimately it boils down to focusing on the, the two things you can't control, your attitude and your actions as a leader. Those are the only two things. Everything else you're responding to, but if you have the right attitude, it's you're responding to, you're not reacting to. There's a difference. Responding means you're being intentional. Reacting means you're being guided by your emotion. Emotions aren't real. Emotions are, are excuse me, emotions are real, but they're not fact. So sometimes we respond based on how we feel, but there's not a fact behind that. So I'll say all that to say, during this pandemic, we had to learn how to constantly live in a state of coping, adjusting, and transformation. And during the pandemic, we also learned that the transformation part takes a lot longer because you're constantly coping and adjusting your practices uh, over a longer period of time because the pandemic kept changing, the rules kept changing, the responsibilities kept changing, the data kept changing. And we we're so focused on like, if we, if this, when is this thing going to end? So we're focused on ending and trying to rush through it and not really looking at how do we process what's actually happening and how do we get prepared for when students do return? So I think a part of our, our, our we looked at it as an either or, not a both and. Either we prepare for students to return or, or we respond to the changes of the pandemic. And the result right now is that, um, we're all time trying to adjust to and, and put normal, what's normal into a box that we're familiar with, which is face-to-face -face, um, learning, um, controlled, organized, less chaotic, and more um, uh, less choice and less options. Mm -hmm. The reality though is students experience a lot of autonomy. Heck, we as educators experience a lot of autonomy. We had more control over our own schedule during the pandemic than we did prior to that because we were working from home. And so we had some autonomy, but so does, so does students. Uh, things became much more relevant to everybody involved in education. And then we returned and we tried to fit and we're still trying to fit back into what think what life was like before the pandemic. We need some of that stability, but at the same time, we also need creativity and innovation. So it's, it's like a Parality that has to exist. So that's why the transformation part takes a lot longer. And one of the first things we have to focus on during the transformation part is modeling mental and physical wellness as, as the adults. Um, it, as we are modeling how to take care of ourselves, we're, we're educating our students how to do that for themselves. Then we got to focus on what does the change process actually look like? How do people respond to change? And one of the immediate responses to change is people feel some type of loss. Mm -hmm. they've, they've, they've lost um, titles, they lost positions, they've lost space, 
they lost meaning, they've lost purpose. That's a that's a real thing. So how do we as leaders help student help help everyone experience those losses? Think about our students. They lost normal graduation ceremonies. They lost proms and homecomings. Those hallmark uh, um, experiences that highlight what it means to be a high school student or a middle school student or a student in general, we lost those things. So how do we help mourn those losses and then morph those into what something, some things that something that are meaningful to all everybody involved, parents, community, staff, and students. So, so I guess, man, that's <laughs> that's a lot. I'm starting to think about my my own leadership. Like, man, what am I struggling with the most in looking at cope, adjusting, and transforming? And yeah. I don't know the trans the transformation part is like. Just like you said, it's the longest, but I feel yeah. like the furthest down the road because until the rules are somewhat of some level of consistency for a longer yeah. period of time, that transformation yes. really can't happen because right. the, the rules keep changing, right? Yeah. So yeah. we cope, we adjust, we cope, we adjust, we cope, we adjust. Right. I don't know where the biggest struggle seems to be. Is it more in the coping with the way things are and just the reality of like the woe is me factor? Yeah. Or is it adjusting to the new rules? And once we've made the adjustment, we learn how to cope at that stage. What I, I think what it's clarity. Both. Can you? Yeah, I think it's, it's both. both and uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, both. And because, again, the control part is everybody's coping at the same time or everybody's mm. adjusting at the same time. And the reality is that's not true. You can have 10 different people in the room and 10, 10 different people are, are coping with it differently. Yeah. They're coping with the same experience differently because they have a different point of view. They have a different perspective. As a leader, our responsibility is to understand where each per person is. That's where you get into equity and inclusion. Hmm. Is understanding each person and embracing and accepting each person as they are, uh, where they are. So thinking about the pandemic, uh, you may be dealing with somebody who who is struggling with a spouse who's experienced and maybe have some type of uh, loss in the family because of the pandemic. They're in a completely different mind frame than somebody who hasn't had that experience. Mm -hmm. You may have a, a, a staff member who has two kids at home, two elementary age kids, and they're trying to figure out how do I, how do I maintain and keep my student engaged, my kids engaged in school while also preparing lessons for my own kids. Completely different mindset than somebody who doesn't have that experience doesn't have that struggle does that make sense yeah so there are there are two different areas like coping and adjusting but it, just knowing and understanding that as people are coping with it and leaders are helping coping with it by providing what's stable so that's one of the things is like communicating what's stable what's not changing at the same time you're saying okay we have to adjust our practices for example attendance became an adjustment or uh, attendance is something we had to adjust on how we how we accounted for students being in school um, one of the other things you can do for in, in adjusting to this is looking at your grading practices does every assignment need to be graded because initially that thus assignments weren't necessarily and homework were necessarily meant to be graded it was to provide feedback so the adjustment is your practice goes from grading or marking everything to pro simply providing more feedback to students so that they can adjust their and respond to that feedback to get closer to the target. The transformation part comes in 
now as a say, take the grading example that I just shared. The transformation now is looking at our what is our philosophy on grades? What's our philosophy about grading? And then you put systems in place that change that change that philosophy and solidifies that 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 philosophy into practice and policy. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's merge a couple of of uh, examples that you've given into one of the one of the challenges that school leaders have faced across the nation at all levels. Um, and I see it a lot at the high school, middle school level, just because the, the kids are a little bit older. Um, I know when I send my kindergartner and uh, and third grader to school, like, yeah, they do some of the normal thing, like they talk and, you know, get in trouble for like little things. Yeah. Uh, but high schools, I mean, we've been you know, social media that plays into a TikTok challenges and yeah, devious, you know, safety, devious, all of that stuff has. Yeah. That was at the very cusp of the school year beginning. And yeah. now we transform where it's like we weren't able to adjust quickly to these changing TikToks and changing. And so for me, even as a school leader, I felt behind the eight ball uh, of I was constantly chasing and becoming a reactive yeah. leader as opposed to a proactive leader, which I feel is once you've adjusted, that transformation starts and yeah. begins. The autonomy of of what students have been able to have and the control in which they've been able to have for 18 to 21 months of their own life, their own schedule um, has challenged them to have to come back into a school building where the control is so evident, right? Yeah. We got the handbook. When you're at yeah. home, you don't have a school handbook, right? right. Like, yeah, right. in the virtual sense you do, right? You can't do certain right. things, you can't have certain things posted, whatever, but right. at home, like nobody can suspend you at home, but your parents, right? It's what you right. do in your house, it's school, there's control, there's actions, there's consequences. And so how do, I guess taking this cope and adjust method, how, how do school leaders or how should school leaders think about that sense of coping and adjusting to the changing dynamics of our kids um, and really trying to battle the autonomy versus the control that exists in schools? How do you, how do we? Yeah, yeah that, that's, um, man, that's a great question. So I'll share what our district has done. Um, this goes back to last spring. So we were, again, I'm in a career tech district. Um, and for those who are not familiar with how we do career tech in Ohio is we have career tech planning districts, which means my district provides the career technical education for 16 different districts, 17 different high school schools, because one district has two high schools. So we, we, we get students from 17 different schools. Um, the get we run the gamut too from completely small homogeneous rural environments to very large uh, suburban urban um, uh, very diverse organization or very diverse schools and bring everybody together from 700 square miles so we had some challenges when we came back full time last last spring and we had to react we re re reacted to some of the challenges because like you said they just it just happened and we had to react to it. So one of the first things we did is we, we invited students to be a part of a student organization or student um, leadership alliance is what we called it, or a diversity committee, some, some type of whatever you, whatever you call it, the purpose is to um, 
give a place for students to have voice, i.e., uh, and then autonomy. And autonomy doesn't mean you can do anything you want whenever you want. Autonomy means you understand the boundaries and you have freedom of choice within those boundaries. And so we worked on how to um, give students an opportunity and, at, we, and asked, ask students, what do you see? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What's the problem we're trying to solve? How do you want to solve it? So we gave them a lot of opportunity to do that. And they took the, they took the lead and they, 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 they went with it. Our challenge was how do we maintain that going into the new school year? And we had a lot of students who just really wanted to, just they wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be, um, uh, they wanted to be, they wanted to feel valued, which is one of the, you know, something that we always want to see happen. Um, and one of the best things we did was just we we talked to them and our building leaders talked to them about what they want to see happen and why, and then implemented their ideas. They had to see some success from the ideas that they they brought to the table, and it's really um, it's been really beneficial. Um, I'm happy to say we haven't really experienced a lot of the um, the negative impact of some of the TikTok challenges. You know, we, the devious licks in the restrooms, that's when we were, it was really brought to our attention. But after that, we really haven't had a whole lot of, a whole lot of incidents. You know, we haven't seen, seen an increase in fights and things that some of some that, that I heard from, from other schools. Mm -hmm. um, a part of it could be by design because we only have juniors and seniors. But at the same time, um, I think because we incorporated and, you know, really engaged our students, it just those things just haven't happened. Um, so I think that's one of the things that you know leaders can do is really talk to and get students involved in the leadership, and then making the environment. And go back to your point of autonomy, um, making the students um, feel that the school is theirs, as opposed to a place that they're going to. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, we always. As, as school leaders, there's, you know, you see your, your student leadership teams and some people do it just because it's a thing that has always happened. And like, when yeah. I came into my role, it was a student leadership team that existed. I had the ability to either continue with it or, or not, right? Like I have that choice, but uh, for me, student voices um, is paramount, right? Yeah. I always tell my kids, like, man, my kids in <laughs> in that building 3000 kids that that walk those halls every day like they're my boss right they're the temperature mm -hmm. they're the temperature in and and what needs to happen uh good friend a friend of mine here in illinois uh, dr tron young uh always you know is, is talking about being a thermometer yeah. um and engaging the temperature of your building engaging the temperature of your culture yeah. um and and that was where I think it was, man, probably what, October, no, early November, <laughs> I think I reached out to you <laughs> just sending yeah. a text like, yo, I need to connect with somebody. <laughs> I'm sitting in a conference yeah. room with my administrative team. I am walking the halls and the teachers are looking out like, all right, Beelan, like this on you, what you going to do about it? You know, like, what do you mean? Yeah. It's on me. I don't have a, 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 an answer. Um, and, that, and that's that's where the adults, every single adult in the building has to take ownership of the climate and the culture. Yeah. 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 It's not a it's not a it's, it's not a one, one man person. or one woman show. Yeah. Way too big. too big, way too big for one person. And 
with the complexity that it takes to be a leader, it's definitely not one person that can do it. It's it's um, a collective group of people mm-hmm. that create the culture. I think the students influence the culture. I think it's the responsibility of the staff and the adults to create the culture. And that culture should be a culture of belonging where, and I, and I you know, use that phrase or these phrases earlier is that belonging just means, you know, each person feels like they're seen, heard, valued and respected. Mm-hmm. And then in their respect as we, you know, I don't know if this was an epiphany during the last two years or so, but respect has been, it's so conditional now. It used to be, it's based on, based on your behavior or somebody else's behavior. You don't respect them or you respect them because of the way they behave. Not, you don't respect them anymore just because of them being another human being. Right. It's they have to prove and earn respect just like we now have to earn and prove worthy of respect to our students good, bad, or indifferent. That just seems like what it is. Um, I think the <clears throat> respect level for education, for educators is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that plays a lot or a major role into some of our, um, our challenges as well. Um, but with that said, we should create a culture of dignity, which means it's each person's birthright to be honored as a human being, not because of what they do, not because of what they look like, not because of where they come from, but just because they're another human being. If we if we have a, a culture of dignity that's created through a sense of belonging, um, I think we can really make some headway on the social emotional wellness, the mental health, um, and also the um, the type of learning that exists in the building because and, and if you look at Maslow's belonging sense of belonging it is before achievement if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs which should be a stair step not necessarily a hierarchy but if you focus on belonging achievement will follow if you focus on achievement belonging doesn't follow that because that's based on behavior does that make sense it does I mean it, it kind of to give a little context like the, I always think of like, what's the first thing that pops in my head when I hear a thought that's deep and, and you, I'm over here writing notes like crazy right now, uh, <laughs> but I, I think like, like I'm rambling. So I apologize. No, no, no. I'm sitting here like, yeah, yeah. Like keep, keep talking. I need to write. I need to write. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think of like a, a basketball team, right? You got, you got 10 people, let's say on a team, 10 to 12 people on a team. And if they all belong to the t- a team, belong to that family, right? That culture that exists when they win, when they start to achieve that level that they wanted to, and they move to the postseason and win a regional and win a sectional, win a state championship, that sense of belonging, they, they constantly are living with that. They yes. will forever remember, I was on that state championship team in 2021. I was Regardless on that state championship regardless of whatever they could be doing whatever they are doing in the world if they were the manager on the team if they were the 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 forward if they were sitting on the bench playing left out like they were still they belonged they wore that jersey they wore the name of the school on their on their jersey and they were a part of that and they forever talk about it you know what i mean and this it wasn't a just 
you don't get to an achievement by being disjointed. You know what I mean? Right. So I, right. that was the first thing that came to it. But that's that's an interesting uh, uh, perspective, a, a culture of dignity, right? Like yeah. everybody, like you're a human being, period, point blank. Period. You got a heart, you got eyes, you got a mouth to talk. Like you, you are, you're living and breathing. And yeah. while we may look different, think different, be in different spaces, you know, whatever, that thought of like you're you got a basic human right of your your human being like you should yes. just be respected just it's a just because mentality just because yeah. you're a human being just period. because yeah not just yep. because you're black not just because you're lgbtqia just because you're latinx because you're jewish or muslim it is just a just because man that's that's good yeah and it, and you know oftentimes and and you know, some of the, um, I think some of the conflict we're having in schools is that we're trying to focus on making schools more diverse instead of embracing the d- diversity that already exists. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like the diversity of, of mind, right? Like, just yeah. like you said, like that cognitive diversity, if yeah. there's two people in a room, you have a diverse room, whether you yeah. are yeah. two white males, we're two black males sitting here on Zoom right now, Right. but our thoughts are different and we we both bring a different perspective to the table that's diversity it's diversity so it's understanding the complexity and the nuance of diversity Mm -hmm. and and with that said is you know our students are still struggling with the last 24 months of Mm -hmm. i mean significant traumatic experiences in terms of what they saw um the how they observed the adults in their lives behaving um, and how we as a nation responded to some of the disruption disruptions that we that we experienced mm-hmm. and so those are and then if they feel like they can't talk about those things in school that creates a lack of trust there's not they don't they don't have a sense of belonging they don't they don't necessarily feel seen heard valued and respected because their voice is being shut down as opposed to invited and, and allowing that discord to happen. And if it can happen in schools, where can it happen? Right. You know, so one of the resources I wanna share with the listeners is, is a book I'm reading, I'm re- I keep referring to it, it's called Belonging Through a Culture of Dignity, The Keys to Successful Equity Implementation. Phenomenal book. I mean, it's mind blowing um, because it's, it not, it's by uh, Floyd Cobb and John Crownapple. Floyd Cobb and John Crownapple. Phenomenal book. Um, it just it dives deep into uh, what what belonging is and isn't, mm-hmm. and why dignity is such an important um, concept that we need to regain uh, in our schools um, for us to be successful in a complex world. Because the complexity of our world is not changing. The disruptions that we're facing aren't slowing down. The pace of change is only going to speed up. I mean, we're looking at this for the next 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. How are we going, what are we going to do about it? You know, it, it's here. And so um, thinking about the coping and justice and transformation, um, the one characteristic that underlines all that is uh, an adaptable mindset. 
and leaders have to be adaptable because change is such is so complex and it's such it's so rapid now. And so that's, you know, that's something that you, you're, you know, you're experiencing that as a, as a, as a high school leader, one of the largest schools that I know of, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's very, um, is very complex. And when, when people, t- people typically react to change in one of two ways, they adjust to it and roll with it, or they, they shut down and revert back to, want to revert back to the good old days and you know how what they know what they know because that control, that's control that's that's what they yeah. have had they've transformed it enough to gain that level of control of like i've yeah. hit the coping adjusting and transformation i don't want to go back through the cycle so i'm good with being here i'm and good i need to protect it's like it no at all it's a, reiterative, it's a reiterative process yeah. Like, yeah. just as soon as we and we've experienced this as soon as we get comfortable with one adjustment boom it's, it's changing again and it's like geez we, that's the cycle of change when is this going to stop it's yeah. not it's not so that's where it goes it, we moved from um stability understanding and, and communicating what's going to be stable but also understanding how do we have to be how are we going to be adaptable yeah uh, so that's, that's where that you know it, it it's just a part of it's a part of our world now man <laughs> yo this is this is like super deep man this is and what i appreciate and you talked about this is is being able to take care of you and one of the questions you asked me right when I, like how are you doing like no how are you doing yeah, yeah. um and when I've, I've had man time over uh past few days to just connect with family relax get some sleep and like I'm refreshed. My mind right now is firing on so many different cylinders. I'm like, yo, check this out. Think about this. And like now you're taking me deeper to be like, all right, you know what? That's that's interesting. Like I got a, another book I need to go ahead and, yeah. and, and focus on and check out. Um, but Dwight, man, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. Um, listeners, uh, Dwight Carter uh the man the myth the legend is what i i say he's, he's shaking his head like yeah no not not me but uh man he is definitely a a leader that has um he was my springboard into uh into administration and has carried me forth and has been a uh, kind of a right hand of just following the work that he's doing um you know and dwight if going people want to go ahead real quick going back to that conference what i remember most about that is um I've noticed a transformation in me. And so here, here's why I say that. I go back to the earlier conferences I used to go to, like in the early 2000s and whatnot, and I was just a sponge and soaking things in. And then somehow, some some way, I, I, I shifted into becoming um, more known in some of the conferences. It, it just, it was weird that I, that I noticed it. And one of the things that I committed to was um, being open to being a mentor. Whereas before I didn't look at myself as that mm-hmm. and being open to uh, identifying new upcoming leaders and do to them what was done to me. You know, like people like at conferences, they just kind of took me under their wing and say, Hey, come you're with us, come with us or come with me. And, kind of showing me the land, the lay of the land and just having those sessions after the session. Yeah. And I remember 
um, we were in the lunch line. We were in the lunch line, and you 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 approach me, and I'm get I was antsy because I was like I want to get to the next keynote. Then I was like, nope, this is your this is this is another session, and we talked. I mean, God, we talked for a, a long time. Yeah, we was in that exhibit hall for. <laughs> Oh, I mean, a long time. Yeah. And, and I still remember that conversation. So I was like, this young dude is going to be on fire. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm proud of, I'm really proud of you, man. Are you, like I said, you, you accepted the challenge, challenge, you understood the assignment, your, your history, you were making history, you've made history and you continue to do that. And I don't take that lightly and I don't take that for granted. And I don't think you should either. Yeah. Because you're you're being a, you're modeling for other people to say, I can do that too. I I can be like I can be like Marcus. B. I want to be like Marcus Beeland. You know, your kids are looking at you. He's like this dude is always enthusiastic. And he's smiling. He's going on ski trips and he's you know <laughs> he's you know surfing the crowd at football games and like I want to be like that guy. Yeah. And he's holding us accountable. So man, I'm I'm really proud of you and like I said, all the all the work you're doing, man. So. Keep keep adjust coping, adjusting, and transforming as a leader. Yeah, well, man, I like I said, I'm I'm humbled and I'm appreciative of our time together. Um, yeah. at, at one point, I even forgot we was recording. I thought this was just a session for me. <laughs> 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 I'm sitting here, I got a notebook full of notes, and I'm just like, oh, I got to think of what I'm gonna ask them next. You know, like, but I'm gonna go off of this podcast is. I thought this podcast has changed from. For the people to, all right, I'm just soaking this up. I'm going to be the sponge right now, uh, man, which which means we need to definitely uh, connect more often and just and stay in touch. That's my goal in 2022 is just to continue to stay in touch with the foundation, man. And and you have yes, definitely sir. been a, a, a strong piece of that, man. So thank you for uh, being on Unapologetic Leadership. If the listeners want to connect and hear more about you, get you to do some consultant work for them or whatever, how can they connect with you? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Dwight underscore Carter, or you can email me at Mr. That's MR, Dwight Carter at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, listeners, there you have it. That's, that is the episode. I know it was, it was super deep. If you got a the, the great thing about podcasts, man, you can listen to them over and over and over. I'm actually listening to this to make sure I got all my notes in the order that I needed to because I'm just scribbling stuff. But uh, definitely uh, check out uh, the episodes of Unapologetic Leadership that are currently out there. If you're interested in being on the show or uh, have some people that you just want to hear from or have heard from that, you know, would benefit from being on this show as well, uh, definitely reach out to me. Uh, you can connect with me at drmarcusbeeland at gmail.com. Um, and, and all my information is there. But uh, listeners, it's always great to, to do this for you. Um, so whether you're a first-time administrator or you're interested in going into administration or if you're currently in the work um, or you're mentoring somebody in the work, this is, this is good stuff. So uh, check it out. Uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, see you. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of Unapologetic Leadership. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus J. Beelan, or you can visit me on my website, drmarcusbeelan.com. I would love to connect with you. Remember, take care of yourself. Be well, stay safe, and be unapologetically you. 